Science Podcast. I'm Drew, and thank you for listening. So today, we're going to talk about a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of physics, and also a little bit of cosmology. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about uh, our first physics topic. So let's get right into it. So this uh, first article that I'm going to talk to you about is from the chemistry side of things. It's called 3D Printed Corals Could Improve Bioenergy and Help Coral Reefs. And this is from phys.org along with the other two that I'm going to talk about today. So what they did was researchers from Cambridge University and the University of California, San Diego, have 3D printed uh, coral-inspired structures that can grow microscopic algae. Now, in the real world, out in nature, uh, coral is a host for algae, and algae produces sugar for the coral during photosynthesis. And this relationship is one of the most, uh, well, creates one of the most uh, productive and diverse ecosystems on Earth, the coral reefs. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to create structures of coral and they used a technique uh, that's similar to techniques used for bioprinting liver cells. And the tissue and the skeleton that was created, uh, well, it was created to mimic the optical uh, optical uh, properties. That's the word I'm looking for. Optical properties of coral to optimize the light delivery to the photosynthetic algae. You know, kind of trying to mimic uh, mimic the kind of like the fake coral uh, to act just as well enough as a host uh, like normal, I guess you could say, quote unquote, real coral would do, if that makes, if that's even right, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But with this new technology, uh, they want to help study the decline of coral reefs and then ultimately uh, they hope one day, uh, if they can get it good enough and in large amounts, uh, they hope to be able to help reduce uh, greenhouse gases, which are the reason that coral reefs are dying. All right, so going to our first physics topic. Uh, this is entitled, Scientists Use the Tokyo Sky Sky Tree to Test Einstein's Theory of General Relativity. So, scientists from the Riken Center for Advanced Photonics and Cluster for Pioneering Research use two optical lattice clocks, one at the base and one 450 meters up on this Tokyo Sky Tree. Uh, the point was to make measurements of the time dilation effect as predicted by Einstein's uh, general relativity. Um, so essentially what they're testing is that it's theorized that the warping of space and time by gravity, um, oh, excuse me, is 
caused by massive objects. So, excuse me again. So, time runs a lot slower in a deeper gravitational field than in a shallower one. So, if any of you have seen Interstellar, and you remember the scene when they're on that water planet that's orbiting the black hole, you know, one hour on that planet was seven years on Earth, and that's just due to time was running a lot slower for them because they're in this massive gravitational field produced by this massive black hole that they are orbiting. So time runs slower. Technically, time runs slower at the base of that Tokyo sky tree than it does more towards the top. So they wanted to test it. Um, you know, they wanted to test that time difference. So in order to test something like that, you need either two very complex uh, clocks that are able to pick up on these very, very, very small differences in time, or you need a massive distance. So a lot of the times these experiments are done with uh, satellites that are obviously they're orbiting Earth, so they're very, very high up there. Um, now, they weren't trying to disprove or prove Einstein's theory because it's been done before. We know the answer to the theory. It's, it's been proven. Um, but they wanted to uh, get a sense and kind of utilize uh, the curvature of space-time by gravity. And what they found was Einstein was proved right yet again. Uh, but it showed that these these experiments can be done uh, outside the lab. So they've been done outside the lab before with satellites, but for the most part, uh, if you're going to do something, well, for the most part in the past, uh, when they've done experiments with these very complex uh, clocks, a lot of it was done indoors because you can you can control you're in a more controlled environment, so it makes it easier to uh, test and then eventually prove. Um, but they showed that this could be done a lot easier outside the lab with these smaller uh, transportable clocks. Um, and they found that their data that they collected was comparable to some of the best experiments that have ever been done with satellites. So you know, this could kind of push the technology and experimenting even further now that, you know, they've shown that they can do it a lot easier with certain materials um, or devices. And then they also, in the future, want to be able to separate these clocks by uh, what they said, hundreds, hundreds of kilometers uh, in order to one day monitor the uplift and the depression of ground over time. All right, so our third uh, article for the day is from the cosmology side of things, the study of the universe. It's called Rethinking Cosmology. Universe expansion may not be uniform. So for a long time, astronomers uh, have assumed that the universe is expanding at the same rate in all directions 
but new data from uh, the European Space Agency's XMM Newton, Germany's ROSAT, and NASA's Chandra X-ray observatories uh, could prove this to be wrong. So the universe is expanding and it is accelerating. And it was first discovered that it was accelerating in 1998. And previously, after collecting data from the CMB, the Cosmic Microwave Background, which shows the universe at about 380,000 years old, um, it showed a uniform distribution. So that suggests that the expansion to be the same in all directions. Uh, but people from the University of Bonn in Germany and Harvard looked at over 800 galaxy clusters and they said theoretically if the expansion was the same in all directions then uh, these clusters would have you know would be would have very similar properties you know it would be uniform but what they found uh, was pretty significant <laughs> sorry about my phone going off um, but what they found was that in one part of the sky there was a uh, cluster of galaxies that were about 30% dimmer than another cluster of galaxies in a different region of the sky so you know this went against what theoretically uh, should be correct. So they wanted to, you know, test it out, see if there could be something f causing uh, the difference in the luminosity of the clusters that they're looking at. So they tested to see if there was an undetected gas maybe uh, around the one cluster, and they found that there wasn't one. So, uh, for example, uh, some of you may remember a couple months ago, uh, Beetlejuice being in the news because it was getting dimmer. So everyone in the media was saying that it was going to go supernova and all this stuff. But in reality, uh, no, excuse me, there was uh, studies done and they found that there was a gas in front of Beetlejuice, pretty much. Um so making it appear dimmer than it actually was. But um, they think that this uneven uh, effect could be due to dark energy, which takes up about 69% of all the known energy in the universe. But ultimately, the sample size uh, that they're studying is too small to be able to make any large claims about um, the universe expanding. But in 2022, uh, the European Space Agency plans on launching their Euclid telescope. Um, so they say that they hope once that's launched, uh, it should be able to help, you know, I guess, find the answer to this to see if uh, the universe's expansion is not uniform all right so to wrap things up today kind of 
you can probably see it behind me if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, um, we're going to talk about our first physics lesson. Lesson. Now, I'm not going to go. Uh, I'm not going to go too far into it because I feel like I could go pretty deep um, and talk about things. Talk about you know various uses and you know problems and things like that but i'm kind of just going to give you more of an overview of what the topic consists of and hopefully if any of it sounds interesting to you or you just want to learn more about it i urge you to please look it up you know go on youtube watch videos read a book whatever you want to do um but yeah so our first physics lesson for this week is on classical mechanics um so classical mechanics is the study of the motion of bodies and the first branch of physics to be discovered and it is the foundation upon which all other branches are built and it was built upon the work by copernicus galileo kepler and then ultimately Isaac Newton and there's more people that were part of it, but those are kind of the main ones. Um, so this involves motion like translational motion, motion, example, bullet from a gun, uh, rotational motion, a spinning top, uh, sorry, I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> um, Oscillating motion, there we go. Uh, example, a pendulum and circular motion. Example, planet orbiting uh, the sun. So uh, other concepts that are involved in classical mechanics are motion in various dimensions, uh, the conservation of energy, you know, calculating work, potential energy, kinetic energy, the uh, conservation of momentum, also angular momentum, statics, and Newton's laws, you know, pulleys, frictions, forces. Sorry about my phone again. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a brief overview of mechanics. Like I said, if you find any of it interesting, I urge you to please go, you know, look it up, find information for yourself. But I think that wraps it up for episode two. So stay home, stay healthy. See you next week. Peace.